go. That was Teardrops by Bring Me the Horizon there on Monco Radio, where music reminds me. And I would like to introduce a man I have tremendous respect for. I first discovered his videos through his dissection of every wrong prediction Todd in the Shadows ever had. And I've kept an eye on his year-end list since, and his breakdowns of the uh, each season of the Billboard Hot 100 in the top 20. He has over 8,000 YouTube subscribers, and a meme he just made, making fun of our outgoing president, got over a half a million views on YouTube. His year-end list spanning from the best and worst from years spanning from current day to retro, but funny, introspective, and engaging. With all this being said, he's one of my favorite YouTubers in the music realm. He is Sean Fay Wolf, Diamond Axe Studios. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes. How how did you like that intro? <laughs> uh, that was. Uh, I I appreciate it. It's very uh very flattering when you when you lay it all out like that. I've just uh I don't know this um yeah it's kind of crazy that I've now been doing my YouTube channel for three and a half years and uh, you know I'm starting to get some recognition for it and that's honestly very uh. It's honestly really, you know, humbling and very, uh, I just am so thankful that people have, uh, you know, appreciate the uh, content I put out there discussing popular music. It's something I love doing and seeing that other people are into that too. It's just a great feeling to see um, the community being built around, around people who love talking about this stuff. And your videos have really gotten me into pop music, honestly. I used to be a rock only boy, you know, um, one of those like rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just... <laughs> Um, rock simps um, who like didn't really open himself up really that wide and this year I really in 2020 when we had more time than ever to do stuff I really took a deep dive into pop I took a deep dive not a deep dive into country but dipped the toes in I dipped hip hop hip hop was already always a comfort genre for me so I, I liked hip hop already but my first question to you is actually about that song we just played, Teardrops, and you heard it for the first time just before we recorded it, before we recorded, um, my general opinions on that song is that would be the perfect, like, mainstream rock crossover hit to get into, like, a top 40, and it got into the top 40 in the UK, um, because it has enough pop sensibilities with that with the same choices, and it has me throwing back to that early 2000 new metal Meteora Lincoln Park sound. Um, I have a feeling that Bring Me Horizon has like this underrated in their terms of utility of electronics and the great way of where lyrics being under relatable. What are your thoughts on that song? Well, um, first of all, let me just preface by saying that um, I'm not an expert on rock music by any means. I'm I'm basically just. My musical tastes are basically just like a musical catamari. I just kind of roll through the world and just kind of pick up whatever genre I happen to latch on to at any given moment. There's not really any one particular genre that I consider myself to, you know, be really focused right. on. I will. Uh, my motto is that I'll listen to basically anything if I enjoy it. And I feel like in the Spotify era, that's becoming more and more of a uh, common practice when, uh, you know, listen to music. But yeah, as for uh, that song in uh, particular, Teardrops by Bring Me the Horizon, I see that potentially having some crossover appeal. Um, I heard that, and the first thing I thought of was like early two thousands new metal, Lincoln Park. It's very clearly cribbing from that uh, from that particular style. And uh, I don't know. It just seems to me like that entire the entire new metal movement that was kind of born out of the whole. You know, I feel like in the nineties, uh, a lot of youth culture felt a very uh, uh, very disconnected and had a, a distinctive lack of identity to them and that you see that in movies like fight club and uh you know and the fact that you had a lot of the original grunge artists who were really kicking off back then and i feel like new metal was kind of the final evolution of that uh and eventually burned itself out by the time the decade was over of course uh, at least in the mainstream but yeah i feel like uh in today's day and age i feel like we are in a primary time for a genre like that to start making the comeback uh and you've seen that, like you've seen, we've seen, uh, 
I mean, really, really, really the only person who has been seeing like major uh, success on the pop charts with it has been uh, Machine Gun Kelly, Kelly yeah. who's obviously a rapper who's uh, you know starting to dip his toes into more of that punk rock noodle sound. Um, but yeah, I think that obviously you know this uh, you know obviously the state of the world in the past few years has left a lot of people feeling very angry, very disconnected, and very frustrated. And I think that. Although it's coming from a different place of frustration than the original new metal music, I think a song like that, which is very clearly very angsty, has a lot of um, you know frustration. This you know, but it's not just you know low key bubbling anger like you tend to find in a lot of uh, hip hop and trap music. Uh, this is like very big and explosive and in your face, and I think that that kind of thing is going to have more and more of a market going forward, uh, especially considering. You know, things don't improve from where they've been over the past half a decade or so, uh, just generally speaking in the world. Yeah. So yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of potential. Uh, I think that a song like that definitely has a lot of potential. It doesn't strike me as particularly uh, revolutionary or transformative, but I no. can see it as uh, I can see it as something that has it, it has potential, let's put it that way. It, it's it's kind of similar to MGK in that it's not reinventing the wheel and it's, you know, very uh, basic version of what it's cribbing from. But I think that having something basic like that could be the perfect uh, uh, gateway to getting a lot of uh, people back into this scene. And especially you say something like this is already hit the top 40 in the UK. Um, I imagine that that'll probably have a bigger breakthrough in the UK before it has a bigger breakthrough in the US since the UK pop scene is typically more uh it's more to adapt more uh and more And they're a British band so the American pop than the American pop yeah and they're a British band yeah so um yeah I'm interested to see about that but uh yeah those are those are my thoughts And it was f- funny because today I had a uh, interaction with Jordan Fish who was the uh, programmer and the uh, keyboardist from Bring Me the Horizon and he had an interview oh, wow. talking about um, his like programming choices on another song called Paradise Parasite Eve, which is a very profound song. It's about um, the pan. They wrote it before the pandemic, but but the with the pandemic lurking, he sort of wrote it as like this COVID anthem almost. And yeah, it's the kind of thing where he's, he's like started out as a normal song, but then you know as circumstances changed so rapidly around it, it just kind of evolved into something uh, yeah. irrelevant. And how kind of thing. and how he took like a Bulgarian folk, how Ollie Sykes took a Bulgarian folk sample and mashed it up with hip hop, and and it was a rock song, and it it just. Men's into like the genre blending that I think would bring rock back into the forefront. Um, um, which leads me to my next question: with the pop, country, and hip hop leading the way, um, in terms of the mainstream rock, rock in the mainstream <laughs> consciousness, what would rock programmers and listeners need need to do to get their once very in the forefront genre back and the seat of the table in the public eye. I believe rock is very archaic in the way they promote bands with how they use radio, use use album sales, stuff like that to promote rather than streaming, TikTok, stuff like that, and how rock fans hear music. I also feel like rock fans need to be more open-minded in the new ways of production. Your thoughts on some of my theories? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, again, I'm not claiming to be an expert in anything, but I know that rock is, um, I know rock is typically structured, you know, around, uh, you know, even just the basic, the fact that most of the biggest rock acts are bands, they're groups. And more and more in the present day, at least uh, with the mainstream, you're not seeing nearly as many groups, the vast, the overwhelming majority of musical acts who are getting most of the mainstream attention these days are solo People. acts. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just a natural evolution of the fact that uh, it seems like it's been around forever, but in the grand scheme of things, the social media era is really still very young. And the social media era is very much, uh, it's very much designed to give a benefit to individuals because individuals are capable of, you know, getting followings on their own thing. There's, you know, 
people are viewed as part of communities, but they're still viewed very much as individuals within those communities. And so even if you look at some of the... Um, even if you look at some of the biggest uh, bands of the past few years, uh, in the pop scene at least, uh, you know, Maroon 5, Imagine Dragons, the one you'll find on Billboard, even then, they're groups, but you'll find that they're very... Um, Active. The other members are very overshadowed by the front men in that situation. Um, at least, I'm not... I'm, this is painted with broad strokes, of course, but at least... Um, that's the perception that a lot of uh, that a lot of people know. Like everyone knows who Adam Levine is, but not many people know who the rest of Maroon Five is. And I know right. that again, Maroon Five is a very low hanging fruit example of uh, of uh, you know bands in the mainstream. But I think that principle still holds true, and I think that that's just where pop music is right now. And I think that that's uh, I think that's one of the reasons that rock has been struggling so much is that uh, it's just yeah, much like other you know avenues, it's like you said. I think that a lot of people still are figuring out how to navigate this new social media landscape. Uh, country artists are able to deal with that because country has a very you know devoted you know kind of insular audience of listeners who are very much in their own bubble, you know, alongside but still separate from the rest of everyone else. Whereas rock is the kind of thing where it doesn't have. You always have people who appreciate the classics, but it's not like you, you don't have as big of a coalition of people who are actively following the rock scene as you do with you know country or hip hop scenes. They're there. Don't get me wrong. I know oh, they yeah. are, but they just don't have as much of a mainstream presence. And so I don't know what the answer is to all this, but I think that you've made a lot of very good observations um, regarding that, yeah, I think that a lot of the ideals behind how rock is promoted is archaic, and I'm not saying that, uh, not saying I know how to fix that, but I will say that um, if rock does want a chance to break back into the mainstream the way it was, you know, throughout the um, throughout the entire second half of the 20th century, um, then I think that it's going to have to take a serious look at how the media landscape of today has changed and how uh, that needs to. Uh, adapt and how we can adapt around that and stop promoting idiotic bands i'm just saying yeah that that, 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 that works too <laughs> um what so i'm just gonna go into like your career a little bit what inspired you to cover pop music in a deeper facet than most people all right um that's a good question uh yeah if, if anyone's listening who doesn't know um i uh, I mentioned in the beginning, but yeah, my YouTube channel I have, it's called Diamond X Studios Music, and I currently have, um, uh, what am I at, like 18, uh, past 8,000 now, I'm almost at 8.5, yeah, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. 8, subscribers, and uh, what I mostly do is I make uh, lists talking about the Billboard charts and ranking my uh, favorite and least favorite songs from various years, while also having some other side series that take a look at the uh, ever-evolving popular music scene, and um Basically, what inspired me to do that was, uh, as you know, mundane as I might seem, I just saw a bunch of other people doing it online, realized I had my own thoughts, and realized that I wanted to uh, share them. Uh, Todd in the Shadows was someone who was a big inspiration to me early on. I found him back in uh, 2014, and I had never... I obviously had been familiar with a lot of, you know, online media criticism back in the early 2010s. It was very, uh, you know, hyperbolic, angry, ranty, shouty, but most of that was focused around uh, movies and video games. I had never seen anyone do um, do that for pop music before. And take putting that uh, comedic spin on things, uh, on songs I just heard on the radio every day, I had never really thought much about, but... That was the first time I realized that A, these songs could be analyzed on a deeper level, and B, that you could have, like, you could spin funny, entertaining content out of doing that. So, again, I just really, I, for the longest time, I just watched Todd because that was, you know, I thought he was. It's the kind of thing where at first I sort of saw him as like his own separate thing, doing his own thing. It was like such a niche that I wasn't sure. But then eventually I found people like uh, the Double Agent and Kumarai Fang, other great YouTubers who were also doing something very similar. Um, and that was when I realized that, you know, no, we don't need to have just one person doing it. Obviously there were the people talking about music criticism, but for Todd, I'm specifically talking about the... Uh, you know, pop music focused with the whole, you know, trying to add in a comedic snarky angle to it. Um, 
and I saw other people doing that, and I realized that it was uh, something I wanted to do. So uh, I did not have any experience making YouTube videos. I didn't know anything about editing, but um, I knew the basics of what I had to learn. So I just sort of uh, downloaded Adobe Premiere, uh, taught myself how to do it using YouTube, and then just started uh, scripting videos and then just sort of started. Uh, let's, honestly, one piece of advice I give everyone, you know, with creative ventures. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask. Yeah, no, one thing a lot of people, um, the biggest piece of advice I can give for anyone wanting to start this or really any creative adventure uh, that you want to do is, honestly, you just have to hop into it. That seems really basic, but so many people are like constantly hesitating. They're constantly, you know, trying to think about all the things they can do, and then they end up thinking hard about that and talking themselves out of it. You just have to hop in and go. Um before I wrote my, uh, I'm sorry, before I started making YouTube videos, I had wrote a series of novels uh, that took place in the world of Minecraft, actually. It was some Minecraft fan fiction, and they actually ended up uh, selling fairly well. But uh, same thing, the same advice I have with that as I have with my YouTube channel. Like, if you want to do a creative venture, if you're looking for an excuse to talk yourself out of it, you're always going to be able to find that. So what you need to do is not for, you know, not ask yourself too hard about why you shouldn't do that because, you know, again, you'll be able to find a way if you look for it. You just have to go. You just have to bite the bullet and just start. And you know what? The first things you do are probably not going to be great. They're probably going to, you know, the kind of things that you'll look back at in a few years and, you know, you cringe because that's just simply the way it works. You have to cut your teeth on it and figure out your bearings before you end up uh, going to do it. So, yeah, that's um, that's sort of a two-part answer, how I got into it, and my advice for anyone else wanting to do into it, or at least the advice for getting started. Yeah, that that's inspiring, man, because because um, Monka Radio is a community college, so so we, we sort of inspire people to dive into their radio show, dive into their video projects, dive into whatever they, they do in the communications realm, and it's awesome. So, how does the YouTuber process, this is more of a pandemic question here, affect your day-to-day living in the pandemic? Has it given you a sense of purpose during this difficult time? Well, um, let's see. Uh, I'd say that with the pandemic, it's been interesting because I'd say for me personally, with the work, the pandemic, all things considered, has been significantly more manageable for me than it has been for a lot of other people because most of my work already consists of spending all my time sitting inside writing scripts recording and doing stuff on my computer so in that sense the pandemic has not really affected my ability to get work done for the most part there have been some small uh, inconveniences but compared to what i know a lot of other people are going to i have been extremely blessed to you know not have a as much of that affect my workflow. The biggest effect that the pandemic has had on me relating to my work is honestly the fact that, as weird as it might seem, now the work is basically all I can do because I just can't go out and see people anymore like I used to. So I'd say that the biggest effect the pandemic has had on me is that since my work consists of spending so much time inside and glued to a computer screen, before the pandemic, I was making an active effort to offset that by spending more time going out and doing things and hanging out with my friends and doing other stuff to get myself out of the house just to, so that I was more well-rounded and I had more, right. uh, you know, and when I did sit down and get my work done, it was more manageable because I was, you know, because I just spent the whole rest of the day, you know, outside the house doing other things. So when it came to the pandemic, now all my time is spent inside like, I'm starting to go, you know, just a bit stir-crazy. I think we all are, just being locked inside so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, but since my and since my work, you know, already consists of doing inside, that's, um, that's really been the biggest roadblock, the fact that I... It hasn't prevented me from working directly, but it has made it more difficult in the sense that now my entire life, you know, my entire day-to-day uh, routine 
has become so homogenized that it's uh, very difficult to stay focused for longer periods of time. That's one of the reasons why even though, you know I had so much free time, there was a period earlier this year where I just had trouble getting anything done because I just felt so burnt right. out. Not because I was working too hard, but just because I was just burnt out on being inside and like working on all this stuff. And because I work from home, I can't even I don't even have the opportunity to really go out to uh, an office really. I just am spending all my time in my house. So uh, yeah, I'd say that's but it's a pretty decent rundown of how the pandemic has affected me. Again, I definitely consider myself very blessed and lucky because I, you know, because this is a, uh, you know, stable situation I'm in, I'm able to continue doing it, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But, uh, of course, the situation like that, a situation like the one we're living in right now with the pandemic, that's going to offer challenges to absolutely everybody, and uh, I'm not immune from that. Yep, yep, um, yeah, it's just crazy how this pandemic has really affected people, and it affected you. It, it mind screws you in so many ways. Like, like you think you're making progress, and 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 you are making progress, but then you go in one day and you're like, "Holy mackerel, I'm not. I'm stagnant." When you're really not. If you, right. If you right. Know exactly. What I mean. Just stop. No, they. It's just humans are not supposed to, I don't think humans are meant to live like that just with the, like there are some people who voluntarily to spend a bunch of time, you know, by themselves. And there's no problem with that. You can live that way if you want to. But I just think it's the fact that you just no longer have the option to, or your options are very, uh, you're being much more limited or restrictive now. I think that the pandemic has just taken so many things that we um, originally took for granted and has just showed us that those, uh, you know, that we can't do that anymore. We just, yeah, just have to count our blessings. Uh, and as soon as this um, seems a little foolish to say when this is all over, because the effects of this are going to be uh, long-lasting around for decades to come. But uh, when things have returned to a relatively, um, to as normal a state as they're able to be, I think a lot of people are um, going to be, taking a lot less things in their life for granted. Yeah. Or at least I, I hope they will. I know I certainly will. <laughs> I agree. I agree and I and and I appreciate the stuff you've said about mental health in the past and and the stuff you've said about that too, because I'm a mental health advocate in my county and and the stuff you say and you opening up in your videos have really inspired me to advocate for other people and um it really, it really speaks volumes when uh, I see public figures advocate for for things. Yeah, thank you. I, but one thing I try to do is that, um, you know, like I've said in my videos, there have been, um, I've been to some pretty bad places mentally in my life. I've thankfully been, thankfully for pretty much my entire life, I've been in a situation where I am at least financially stable with people around me who love me, so... That's been very, um, that's obviously been very helpful. But, you know, even with that, there's still been, um, I've still been to some very bad, uh, you know, mental places as the result of certain things that I've had to go through uh, in my personal life, uh, some of which I've went into in my videos, some of which I've still kept private this entire time. But it's been, uh, it's been difficult. And I know that, um, and I know that if I'm going through that, then clearly, you know, a lot of other people are too. You know, obviously, one nice thing about the past uh, few years, there aren't a ton of things I can give credit uh, to about the past uh, about the past you know decade or so in terms of the general um, path that uh, society has taken. But one thing I will say that I am very happy about is that discussions around uh, mental health have become much more destigmatized. I think that that's absolutely excellent because I think that is. Uh, I think the mental health issues are, you know, almost a pandemic in their own sense and that I feel like it's something that a lot of people deal with and that uh, it's not easy to fix and we're still trying to figure out the best way to deal with that. And so I figure that if, um, so I don't know, I guess figure, I figure that sharing my own personal experiences like that just um, has been not just a way of, you know, obviously if I can you know, help people by hearing that that's good. But it, I also kind of just, you know, use it as my own way of analysis because that's a, 
sorry if I'm going on for a long No, no, no. You're awesome, dude. You're awesome, dude. It's it's totally fine, man. Ah, uh, thanks. No, but I just find that um, it's just so interesting because people think of pop music, you know, the stuff, again, you hear on the radio, you hear on Billboard. People just think of it as so disposable and by the numbers. They just think of it as something that you kind of fill time. It's almost like lowest common denominator stuff. And so when something manages to become one of the biggest songs in the country and it's able to affect me on a level that personally, I think that deserves credit because, yeah. you know, Obviously, you know, songs don't have to do that to break into the mass consciousness. You can have stuff that gets in by, you know, just, you know, being catchy or lightweight, fun or, you know, disposable. You know, even a lot of the best songs, uh, even a lot of songs I really love, I know that I just like them because it's just something to occupy my time. Um, whereas if you get, uh, whereas if you have something like that that really speaks to you, I think that that's something really special and that deserves to be discussed and analyzed. So that's one of the reasons why I try to um, give credit where it's due when those situations come up on my channel. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just awesome. Now we get to part two of this interview. Word, sentence, association. And Sean is laughing because he saw the list. <laughs> We're probably not going to get to all of these did, because... Um, um, but we're going to get to as many of these as, as Sean's time allows. Um, and, and, um, this is the, uh, in part of the interview where I say it's artist or song, I've gone through a lot of your videos, Sean, and I pulled out random stuff. I've gone through some charts and stuff like that, pulled out some random stuff, some of my own suggestions, so we're just going to go through these rapid fire. So this is going to be fun. Uh, sounds good. You want me to, you want me to try and limit it to one sentence to each of them, right? One sentence or even a word. It doesn't have to be max maximum one sentence. So okay, uh, word association. Okay, I can do. That. I randomized these too. I did a list okay. randomizer, so so it wouldn't I be. I only in... glance over the list. So I only have a vague idea of what might be coming here. Van Halen. Sorry? Van Halen. Uh, jump. Good synthesizers. Must be said. Paralyzer, Paralyzer by Finger 11. Uh, Quagmire turning into a toilet. <laughs> Drive by Incubus. Uh, really good. It's just a good, solid 2000, early 2000s rock tune. Or, you know, rock tune, you know what it is. Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Which song by Pearl Jam? Even Flow. Uh, don't recognize, I don't actually know that one, but I know that I've loved pretty much everything I've heard from Pearl Jam. So, it's probably very that, good. That, that, that's good, that's one of the first singles from 10. Um, Five Finger Death Punch. <laughs> uh, sounds painful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Pretty Reckless. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk very, uh, very fondly about them. Um, I've heard a lot of buzz. I've not looked into them yet, but, uh, again, not a, rock is a bit of, I won't say it's a blind spot for me, but I don't know as much about it as I should. So, def, uh, one word, one sentence. Need to look into them. <laughs> you can go, uh, two sentences if you need. Billy Eilish. Yeah, 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 it's just basic. Sorry? Billy Eilish. Uh, one of the most important artists that we have right now. She's going to change the world of pop music. Somebody she is changing the world of pop music. Somebody that I used to know by Gautier and Kimbra. One of the best, most iconic songs of the decade. End of the Road by Boys to Men. A song that existed. Adele. Adele. <laughs> Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Uh, I can't judge that one objectively. Too much childhood involved there. It's just, I, I'm going to say I love it and you can't, talk, and you can't stop me. Viva La Vida. I love that song, by the way. I love Semi-Charmed Life. Viva La Vida, uh, one of the most perfect pop songs ever made. Numb by Linkin Park. 
uh, one of the most important rock songs ever made. Centerfold by Jay Giles. Uh, it's weird to call a song that everybody remembers underrated, but it is. Like, it's one of the all-time best hits that I think doesn't get enough credit as being an all-time great song. For the Longest Time by Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. That is that is my statement. <laughs> that is your statement. I knew I, I had to limit it to one Billy Joel because if I wrote like 10 songs, you would just say you love all of them. And I love Billy Joel too, so. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. I just like, I just think of that song and I'm just like, well, like, what do I have to say about it? It's just like, it's it's weird for the time it came out, but it's just good. Like, you don't get many acapella tunes at the best of times. It's just like, I know that's, is that technically acapella? Are there, are there instruments in that? No, they're not. not. No, they're not. It's It's doo-wop. I know, but. No, it's not. it's doo-wop. I'm just like, I'm just like, are there, there's no like bass in there. So no, there's anyway, no bass. Uh, but the chain smokers. Um, the hideous and missiest of hit or miss artists. <laughs> Royals by Lord. Uh, it changed the face of music forever, and we're still living in a shadow. November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Uh, the magnum opus of that band, and one of the best songs in the nineties. Backstreet Boys to something totally different. <laughs> They're back. <laughs> Drake. What? Drake. Sorry? Um. Sleeping. I I I I can comprehend that. I can actually comprehend that. Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Uh, there are very few songs of the past decade that I dislike more than that one. Another One Bites Is Us by Queen. Dope. Tool. Uh, I have not heard anything ex by, by them except that one song that charted, uh, Fear Inoculum, that was very interesting, and I liked it a lot, so I should look into them more, because I know everyone was really, really freaking out when they came back. Love Again by Dua Lipa. I had to put one Dua Lipa in. <laughs> and this is my favorite song off the album. That one, that one is good. I have not listened to it as much as uh, most of the other ones, but I like it a lot. The one, Pretty much every song on my album is great. The version on Tiny Desk is really good. I've smashed replay on that thing so much. Do a leap was on Tiny Desk? Um, they did like a um at home Tiny Desk with her band and Do a Leap and it was amazing. It's uh, weird imagining Do a Leap on Tiny Desk. Anyway, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by Eurythmics. I mean, who am I to disagree? <laughs> I traveled the world in the 70s. Outcast. Hey, ya. Hey, ya. Lincoln Park. We already talked about, uh, we already talked about Numb, so, uh, that's the first thing I associate with. Actually, I will say this about Lincoln Park. I think that probably my favorite song of theirs from that decade was Breaking the Habit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 song hits hard. That song hits hard, man. All all the songs hit hard. What? But that song especially hits hard. Uh, Lips of an Angel by Hinder. Speaking of bad. Mm. Well, we specifically said at the beginning that we were going to try to not use foul language, so uh, <laughs> I do not particularly care for Hinder. I can't believe they had two hit songs that year. In 2007. I, I just I just don't even want to think about the fact that Hinder exists. I just want to... Physical by Olivia Newton-John. The biggest hit of the 80s, and that is extremely weird to me. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Limp 
a good way of describing that. <laughs> um, Tennessee by Arrested Development. I like it. It's a good song. Rockstar by Nickelback. We might get through all of these. Holy shit. Uh, Rockstar by Nickelback. Uh, probably the third or fourth best song called Rockstar from the past decade. <laughs> I took a pill in the Biza. Decades, I guess that was 13 years ago now. I took a pill in the... 14 years ago now, 2021. Um, I, I took a pill in the Biza. By Mike Posner. Show of each year was cool. Willow and Folklore by uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, pretty good. I like it. Adore You by Harry Styles. Pretty good. I like it. Sugar Sugar by The Archies. Pretty good. I like it. And also, it's very funny to me that one of the... Uh, that song is one of the biggest hits of all time, according to Billboard, and it's very funny to me that uh, one of the biggest hits of all time is by the Archies. Smashing Pumpkins. I don't know why that's funny, then look it up. <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, pumpkin Pie. <laughs> Chop Suey. It's a good use of Smash Pumpkins. Sorry? Chop Suey. By System of a Down. I have not listened to System of a Down for a while, and I probably should do that again because, heck, heck yeah, System of a Down. I'm trying very hard not to, to. You can say hell yeah. Okay. I'm gonna skip that one because hell you're yeah, not. System of a Down. You're not familiar with this. Are you familiar with the Mongolian band The Who? It's the I, H-U. I assume, you, I assume you mean a different The Who? Yes. No, I'm not familiar with the Mongolian band The Who. No. So, I had the Tiger by Survivor. Cool. Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Hell yeah. Chris Cornell won the greatest voices of all time. Um... That's my input. Um, Beauty and the Beast cover. I did not want to write out all the all the participants in that. Uh, you mean the one the, the you mean the number one, one worst song one from... of nineteen ninety two. Uh, I'll give a tiny bit of context to this for listeners who might not know. Uh, you know, when Beauty and the Beast came out in nineteen ninety two, that started a tradition of Disney releasing a. Uh, of releasing a, a pop song like he's listening cover of the big hit from that movie um, with whoever it was. Celine and Dion. From, yeah, they, they did one with Celine Dion before she became famous uh, and another guy named Pivo Bryson and I named it as my least hit song of 1992 because the original Beauty and the Beast theme song is amazing and that one is a dumb lifeless cover that means nothing. And that's all you need to say about it. Hanging by a moment by Lifehouse. Eh, it puts me in a good mood. One Call Away by Charlie Booth. <laughs> eh, it puts me in a bad mood. Weezer. The second most hitter missiest artists have hit and miss artists. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Lucid Dreams by Juice World. I wish that I had gotten its appeal while Jared was alive. I get it now. I did not at the time. I don't. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. Why do I have Lincoln Park again? Damn it. Uh, selling sell, uh, for uh, if you don't want to miss uh, I don't want to miss a thing. Selling out has never sounded this fun. Feel it still by Portugal the man. Okay, uh, guys, stand corrected. Selling out has officially sounded more fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> look what you made me do by Taylor Swift. Selling out has never sounded less fun. <laughs> Red Bone by Charlie, Charlie, Childish Gambino. 
was just neat. And boy, selling out did sound like fun. Blinding lights a weekend. Because it's the biggest. I don't get it. I wish I got it, but I don't get it. This is a big one. The melon. Huh? The melon. Anthony Fantano. Ah. He has a shiny head. <laughs> Happy by Pharrell. He's got a cool hat. Sean Mendez. The middle income earners Justin Bieber. What goes around comes around by Justin Timberlake. That's a really good song. I wish more people liked that. Or more people appreciate it, rather. Ed Sheeran. Speaking of Sean Mendez. <laughs> uh, Ed Sheeran. Um... That's all you really need to say, Ed Sheeran. Um, yeah, yeah, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, you know what? You can leave it at that. Thomas Rhett. He really sucks, except occasionally when he doesn't. Florida Georgia Line. They really suck, except occasionally where they're the worst thing that's ever existed <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Take on me by AHA. Happier things. Take on me by AHA. Uh, that should be the second biggest song of all time instead of Finding Lights. Um, Living on a Prayer by a Bon Jovi. I like Bon Jovi. I know a lot of people don't, but I still do. And that's I'm from Philly. I love Bon Jovi. <laughs> so, Chris Stapleton. solid. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to break out of his niche, but um, I, I, he's just a, just a good dude. Makes good music. Sailing by Christopher Cross. I'm sorry? Sailing by Christopher Cross. And then we have a four song stretch that's painful. I don't actually know that one. Ooh, that's from like 1981. That, that one record of the year in 1981. But this four-song stretch is pretty painful. Yummy by Justin Bieber. Oh, uh, it is not, in fact, yummy. Marvin Gaye by Charlie Puth. I, I refuse to give. I refuse to dignify that one with a response. <laughs> um, Jump Around by House of Pain. person who really can't stand that song even then like sometimes it let, let's put it this way if i hear it in like a sporting arena or somewhere in the right context it really slaps but god anywhere else outside of that context it is just the most ear-grating insufferable thing i just i don't know and then wild side by marky mark <laughs> what the heck I want to give Mark Wahlberg a wedgie. <laughs> um, Freak on a Leash by Korn. I have not listened to any Korn, mostly because they're called a Korn. <laughs> I should probably do that. Uh, ver vertical Horizon, Everything You Want. That's one of the, uh, it's one of the best uh, post-grunge songs I've ever heard. You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Uh, I know that song, but at the top of my head, I'm having trouble remembering how it goes. You, I just know that you got the music in you. Don't let go. You got the music in you. Don't give up. It was literally, They literally reunited yesterday for Biden's inauguration. I did see that. I did not... Uh... I did not watch the, uh, I have not actually watched the full inauguration yet. I just watched the, um, 
I just watched the highlights of the um, what's it called? The uh, celebrating America. No, just the um, no, literally just the. Uh, I just saw the actual swearing in. Oh, just swearing. I, I was too busy trying to get everything ready for the premiere. Oh yeah, Tim McGraw. for what he is. Brian Adams. <laughs> He's a legend for what he is. <laughs> Puddle of mud. Yeah, it's another corn situation where I see a band called Puddle of Mud and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I think I'm probably good. You're better off for that, actually. You don't. You don't need to hear their version of about a girl that they performed at Sirius XM. That's all I need to say. You're probably right. Free. Um, more happier thoughts. Candle in the Wind by Elton John. Both versions are liable here. That's a beautiful song. Black Eyed Peas. Less beautiful things. Yeah, that's the third kid or missiest art I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Dance Monkey by Tones and I. You either get it or you don't. I'm a believer by Smash Mouth. What are you doing in my swamp? I don't know. Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Elton John. Both versions are at liberty here. Uh, I was a snub for my 92 list. I should have put it on there. The yeah. live version is better. The live the version, version is still great, though. I love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. Pretty good. Despacito. It exists. Some Nights by Fun. We have 20 more. Absolutely lovely. Mr. Brightside by The Killers. I have no idea how that song is still consistently one of the hundred most popular songs of the year in the UK every single year, but I'm happy about it. <laughs> no One by Alicia Keys. That one's just not very good. Friday I'm In Love by The Cure. That is an incredibly un-the-cure song, but I'm happy that it got the recognition it deserves. I Saw the Sign by Ace of Base. That's cute. Sign of the Times by Harry Styles. In retrospect, that was kind of the omen of where things were going to go with him. And I'm very happy that uh, very happy that he's managed to find uh, a niche. Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. One of the all-time best pop songs. Three Doors Down. <laughs> Man, Kryptonite was good. <laughs> Other shit? Oh, my bad. I'm going to edit that out. Not so much. Let Me Love You by Mario. That is not a good song. No, it's not. Age of Aquarius by Fifth Dimension. I really went random here. That is a surprisingly good song. I, I'm, I'm very shocked at how much I enjoy listening. But you know, I, I sang that in like 8th grade. In 8th grade, cry. Yeah, no. It's a bop. It's a bop. Yeah. With Let the Sunshine In, that's that's a total bop. <laughs> um, Agreed. Stressed Out by 21 Pilots. I feel like most people take for granted what a good song that is. Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. One of the best songs of the 2000s. Kiss. 
I'm sorry? Kiss. As in the band. Uh, Kiss. My reaction to Kiss is, no thank you, there's a pandemic going on. Le <laughs> Freak by Cheek. I still can't hear that song without thinking of the ad for Shrek Forever After from 2010 where Stilskin is dancing with a wig and they're singing Wig Out. Um, Waiting for a Girl Like Very You by Foreigner. Mouth. Say again? Waiting for a Girl Like You by Foreigner. I gotta re-listen to that one. I, I don't remember... I don't remember having very strong feelings about it. 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. Lame in the best possible way. Humble by Kendrick Lamar. I feel like a lot of people... I feel like when you say that's a great song, a lot of people say that's just because, oh, you... Oh, it's just because Kendrick is doing it. Um, I disagree with that. I think that it's genuinely excellent in sound right. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, come to realize recently that there are a lot of people who don't like them. I don't understand that personally. <laughs> I love them. Havana by Camila Cabello. Not bad. Maroon 5. Bad. Kendrick Lamar as our last one. One of the most, uh, one of the best rappers and uh, ultimately best musicians that is currently living. Plug a plug, plug your stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, my name again is Sean Faye Wolf, and my YouTube channel is Diamond Dak Studios Music. On there, I talk about uh, music from the past and present, specifically stuff that has hit the Billboard charts, and I try to basically analyze that, uh, analyze what works, what doesn't, and try to see, uh, analyze, and I try to analyze trends in popular music and see what those trends say about us as a society and how that's evolved over time. Uh, if you want to check it out, my stuff, I would really appreciate that, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you guys over there. Yes, and you can subscribe to his Patreon if you like what he brings to the table and you can join their discord server if you become a patreon indeed so i'm in that discord server so it's a lot of fun it's a fun place fun place where a lot of youtubers go so it is a fun place um so thank you sean for joining us today and you were listening to hard and heavy on maca radio where music and minds meet